Man, Ramadan coming back. It's not coming back till next year. I know, but Rovza. Wait till 2023, you'll get two. Oh, really? Yeah, I think 2023, there's two Ramadan. I thought it was like way later, not yet. Maybe it's 2032. Hmm. But there's a time and there's going to be a lifetime. There's going to be a, a year in our in lifetime. Our li- it's going to happen twice in a when year. When you're going to have two Ramzans. That's good. Which means four Eids. I think the Eid will be the, the year after if you think about it. Because like it's, the year is 11 days shorter. Mm. So it might, it will be. But like I'm, talk, I'm talking, I feel about, like, I I'm feel talking like about like in the regular calendar because it'll be at the start, right? I so feel like, like one, of the, one of the Ramzans will have like one day. And then the Eid will be the year after. But or we could have in our lifetime two Ramadan, two Ramadans, mm-hmm. and another 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 year will be like two four Eids, or like maybe. three Eids maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah, because I like guess it's a far stretch if you think about it. It's eleven day gap. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's yeah. true. But yeah. hey, you never you never know, right? Mm-hmm. But I have a question. It could be a crisis. Water or milk? It's tough. That's a crisis question. That's a crisis question. That is a crisis question. <laughs> and you know what that leads us into? <laughs> Welcome back to Much Ado About Economics. Where we are talking about the 2008 financial crisis. Now, this is probably one of the biggest crises that have happened in the world, in the world economy. And that has led to a lot of policy regulations Mm -hmm. and a lot of stringent actions by lenders, by governments, by banks to Mm -hmm. ensure that what happened in 2008 does not happen again. Because 2008 shook the world. Yeah, it did. It right. really shook. In I think in present day terms, it's probably the the big, the most monumental event to ever happen. Yeah, in our economic history, and that's why I feel like it's very important to be like talk about it and like treat it as a case study, and just discuss, you know, talk about the events that happened, what led up to it, mm-hmm. what screwed us up, yeah, how we dealt with the recession, and then the aftermath. Yeah. So. A lot of the stuff that is going to be spoken about today will clarify a lot of the policies that are in place today. And if you don't, re- if the people who are listening don't really know what the 2008 crisis was based on, it was based on the housing market and it was based on purely, it was based on lending, yeah. right? The ability for lenders to n- ensure that those who are receiving the money are able to pay their pay them back exactly it's a it's a matter of trust it shows as much as we have laws and regulations in place we have con- internal controls external controls mm-hmm. rules right reg- everything we have all these things at the end of the day it all comes down to trust can i trust you to keep up your end of the uh, end of the deal mm-hmm. regardless of the rules and, imp- and implications of it because at the end yeah. of the day we always have that way out which is default default yeah right. and default and default is great because hey i'm freeing myself from the liability of whatever i've purchased but you lose your you lose your equity so you lose your asset mm-hmm. uh the lender loses their shirt yeah right because they gave you that money now they have to somehow recoup the money that they made because like we spoke about last podcast we or last episode uh we we talked about how uh Inflation devalues currency. Mm-hmm. So if I lended, if I lended Saad two million dollars to buy a crazy house, mm-hmm. ten years from now, I'm going to expect more than two million dollars back. Yeah, right. Because the two million that I'm going to lend to him is going to be worth. And if he gives me two million ten years from now, it's going to be worth less than less. what it what it's worth 
at this day. Hence, we have interest rates. And it's interest rates, yeah. right? So the idea is that the, for when when someone defaults, it's 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 bad on a lot of cases because there's a loss of interest. There's a there's a, there's a mess up on your credit score, mm-hmm. which is fundamental to the your ability to 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 borrow money. Yeah. Um, and also, it's fundamental to a lot of other things like jobs and those types of things yeah. as well. Because it's, they want to see your credit score to make sure that you know you're not some sort of weird person. Yeah, it's like your credibility. It's like, can you pay back whatever whatever's due? Yeah. Right? It's can you keep up rent? Can you pay your mm-hmm. phone bills? Especially for like renters, like if, if you're landowners who are renting out of places, mm-hmm. credit score is a very important indicator. Yeah. If you don't have a good credit score, then you want to guarantee someone who can back you. Mm-hmm. So, in, to make sure that you pay them every month yes. on time. Mm-hmm. So, let's move into what happened. So, before we start, we'll just give you a little nutshell. Basically, there was the subprime mortgage crisis occurred when banks sold too many mortgages to feed the demand for mortgage-backed securities sold through the secondary market. Now, what are mortgage-backed securities? What are subprime mortgages? Okay, let's start with that. Subprime mortgages. Okay. Uh, yeah, so go ahead. essentially, yeah. when you uh, borrow money, the lender, which could be a bank, a credit union, your friend, uh, your dad, your other dad, <laughs> the idea <laughs> is that whenever you get, uh, whenever you borrow money, you have to pay interest on it. Now, based on your credibility, which is based on your credit score and based on your assets and your ability to pay and your income, you are put into certain categories of the amount you can of the amount of interest that is charged to you because that's just a lender trusting you so usually banks are prime lenders which means that their interest rate will probably be around the they will charge rate. you not more than about five to six percent more than the prime rate so let's assume that the prime rate is two percent banks will not charge you more than let's say four or five percent on your interest if you take that back a step, you get to subprime mortgages. Yeah. Right? So like it's less basically how much I trust you. So subprime yeah. is like I don't trust you as much, and I'm and the bank won't give it to you. So you'll probably have to go to a different lender to give it mm-hmm. to you. And these mm-hmm. are called you know subprime lenders, yeah. and they will charge you anywhere between seven to thirteen to fourteen percent interest. Yeah. And then you get even further back, and these go to like loan sharks and stuff who will charge you twenty to twenty five percent interest. Yeah. So. You can borrow who you you as a person. There's never a shortage of money to borrow. You can always borrow. It's just how much you are willing to pay in interest. On, yeah, on top. Now, mortgage-backed securities. Mortgage-backed securities are basically, for example, um, it's having if you if you're borrowing money from someone, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to do collateral. For example, if it's a, if it's a large sum of money, then obviously you're gonna ask for collateral. So that means you are backing your, for example, your house, which is your mortgage, mm-hmm. as collateral. Mm-hmm. So that's one aspect. Now, mortgage-backed security itself is now, for example, let's say I lent money to some. Let's say I lent money to this man, this guy right here, all right, for a house, and he's he's gonna be paying a mortgage mm-hmm. every month to mm-hmm. pay me back. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna package this deal into a security and sell it to him. Okay. Now I'm buying the security for me. Now he's gonna buy a security. Now why would he buy a security? Because he's gonna get fixed income every month. Yep. From where the mortgage. Right. So how does that come? The interest payments. Yeah. The interest portion. Yes. Is basically given to you out of which I get a cut. Yeah, exactly. So and around. And so when you have a lot of these in the market and they're being thrown around to everyone. Mm-hmm. So, for example, let's say I have 10 different of these deals I've made with more uh, from people. 
like different, 10 different mortgages I've sent, I've lent out. And then I give them away to, let's say, a hedge fund, a mutual fund, a bank, a normal investor, commercial yeah. investor, retail investor. Yeah. I give it to all these people. Mm-hmm. Then what happened is because these mortgages are subprime, mm-hmm. they all default all at once. If they all default, and let's say I'm, I'm saying 10, but we're talking about hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands yeah. that happen. If that happens and when they default, mm-hmm. not only I will I take the hit, it'll also be the 10 people that I gave it to, the security to will take a hit. Because they won't get any more of their income. Exactly, they won't get that income. And they've also borrowed money from their own investors. To buy that security. So now it's a domino effect. And then we talk about insurances, credit default swaps, which is basically, a credit default swap is, we could talk in, this, in the case for AIG, is um, they- AIG they, in a way was a mastermind behind this. Like they were the yeah. ones who were really into this whole stuff. Yeah. But continue. So basically what, what a credit default swap is, is that as an insurance company, you are insuring the, the, the person you're selling that credit default swap to that in the event that someone defaults, you will pay them for it. Mm-hmm. You will, ba- yeah, I mean, it'll, there'll be, of course, there's, there's numbers involved, there's a balance involved, but mm-hmm. they will, earn a certain amount of insurance in the event that a default occurs. Yep. So if 10 defaults happen in a row, then that insurance company has to pay 10 different people. Mm-hmm. So as you can see, there's a domino effect happening. This there's, is in a nutshell. Yeah, so there's just this weird outflow of money, right? Yeah. Like there's just this exponential outflow of money because like you're losing money, I'm losing money. I've invested in an insurance company. That insurance company is paying somebody else. So they're, they're sending their cash there. I want my... Yeah. I want my money, but yeah. I'm not getting it because it's gone to somebody else. Right? Exactly. So like that's like in a nutshell, like a snapshot what happened. But now I'm going to get into detail. Let's go all the way back to 2003. 2003. All right. Why? How old were you in 2003? Why are we in 2003? Yeah. Because. Well, how old were you in 2003? How, how old was I? I was five. We were five. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do we know this? I don't know. <laughs> Continue. Anyways, we do research, man. Come on. <laughs> so Warren Buffett warn people about this instrument, financial instrument called derivatives. Yes. Derivatives are basically... They're I mean, offshoots of um, physical asset, right? Yeah. So think about it this way. If you buy a stock, your asset, your, your stock is backed by brick and mortar. Yeah. So it's backed by a company, it's backed by something, right? It's, yeah. Or like you buy gold, it's backed by a commodity. Yeah. Now, derivatives are derivatives of such stock, yeah. right? Like an option. Yeah. So an option is a security backed by a security, which is backed by brick and mortar. Yeah. Right? So in an in a way, it's like its its value is determined by the underlying asset, mm-hmm. which means that the asset you're not owning the asset itself. You are owning. You are basically betting on how will the asset basically react in a way react? or change value. It will perform. Yeah. You're making a bet on it saying that, okay, it's going to go up by this much mm-hmm. or it's going to go down by this much. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're using options and you buy and sell at those prices. Mm-hmm. So Warren Buffett says that and, and during this time, up until the crisis and after the crisis, derivatives were basically, they were never regulated. Mm-hmm. They were like just free to go wherever because it was a small market before and it yeah, was, it was a growing think, market. Yeah, I don't think anybody really spoke much about options at that time because yeah. everybody was so... Because I think at that time, everything was booming so much and there was so much return on just regular like, let's, stock that let's you were like, do you don't really need options at that point. Yeah. So basically, there's, in a way, just the most important point to remember for the rest of this podcast is it is basically you predicting what the value of the underlying asset is. Yes. That's gambling, what it is. In a way. Betting so, on the fact that an asset would fail or not fail. Yeah. So now he said, Warren Buffett said that derivatives such as mortgage-backed securities, 
and CDOs, collateralized debt obligations, he called them financial weapons of mass destruction. He warned us back in 2003 that these will be our downfall, basically. Yeah. And we're going to see why. So now we fast forward a bit. We go from June 2004 until June 2006. This is when U.S. had a huge boom in the housing market. Yeah. Everybody was like, we need to buy a house. Because I don't think, I think interest rates at that time were probably low. So everyone was like, hey, it's great to get a mortgage. Let's get a mortgage. Let's get a mortgage. Let's buy a house. And a lot of people were not buying houses for homes. They were buying houses as investments. Yeah. So one person could be buying like two, three houses, could be mortgaging out two, three, four houses. And they were doing it not on print. They weren't paying down payments or principles. They mm-hmm. were getting it just like, all right, just pay, just pay interest. It'll be an adjustable interest rate. And you go yep. from there. And these people were planning on selling these houses eventually because mm-hmm. they thought, hey, they're going to keep going up. I'm just yep. going to sell it on a profit. Yep. So now with this, we could see that, that you know, it, there's, a, there's an issue that this might overheat. So between 2004 and 2006 in June, mm-hmm the Fed increased the interest rate by 18 times. 18 times. 18 times. So it went from... Three points. Three points. Now, three points doesn't sound a lot. But let me me give you an example. I did the math. Let's say you bought a house. It's a very big price. Let's say you bought a million dollar house. Okay. Okay. And you bought it at 2%. Mm -hmm. 2% interest. So your yearly payments will be $20,000. So monthly payments will be about $1,100, $1,200. All right. Now, if, you, if your interest rate went from 2% to 5%, mm-hmm. your monthly payments are over $4,000. Yeah. That's insane. That is insane. That's more than double, right? The question, exactly. Like, how does one person afford yeah. s- a significant rise in monthly now, payments? Now, the, 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 the thing that makes it even worse is a lot of these mortgages were subprime mortgages. Which means they were already paying a high interest rate. They were already paying a high interest rate. And on top of it, too, they were low income people. They couldn't afford it. They mm. were trying to do this so they could not be low, low income. income anymore. And that's what they were doing. They were taking the opportunity, but it didn't work out for them. Okay. So you, 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 you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Right? Yeah. So they were, they were taking, it was a risk, of course, at the end of the day. But so many people took that risk that yeah. it became even riskier. So at, around this time, of course, like housing prices were going up which meant that if you are someone who is trying to sell a house, you're doing well. Mm-hmm. If you have a house, your wealth is increasing. But if you're trying to buy a house, then it's becoming harder and harder for you to buy. Exactly. Right? So already, already it's getting harder to buy houses. So the steep increase in pricing is creating like a, sh- like a little imbalance in the supply and demand. Mm-hmm. So t- in order to curb that, the federal, the federal government increased interest rates yeah. just to like, you know, keep it calm. But at the same time, that would increase monthly payments. And, and in a way that would sort of also you know increase the supply of houses yeah so why should we be scared with this situation let's say i'm a homeowner mm. subprime prime doesn't matter let's say i'm a homeowner yeah my monthly in- so i'm on an adjustable mo- interest payment mortgage yep. payment that means within a year after these after these um, increase in interest rates within a year I'll be paying that amount because mm-hmm. it'll be adjusted. It could yep. be adjusted quarterly, semi-annually. So my mortgage payment is about to get adjusted. Mm-hmm. People are not interested in buying the house. Sooner or later, it's going to happen because the prices are skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. So at some point, if, if that happens, mm-hmm. if the prices dip, I will either s- I'll be paying more, more, more mortgage, I'll be paying a higher interest, and I'll be, I, I, the only other option I have is to sell the house at a loss. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make a profit from it. So I'm going to yep. lose money in the process. So what's my only option? Lose money? Default. Yep. Like, all right, just give it away. My credit score takes a hit, but the money doesn't leave my pockets. 
So that was that's why we should be afraid. So that's that's what it, that's how it started. So if the so the, essentially the idea is, hey, look, I can't pay for my house anymore. Yeah. Right. So bank take it back take yeah basically right so now the bank is just like well crap now i've given these people all this money they're supposed to be paying me back my interest but they're giving me back land which is losing value so the houses that are losing value so banks are banks are in a very difficult position as well so around this time too a lot of financial intermediaries like hedge funds mutual funds banks mm -hmm. all of them were buying derivatives to boost their portfolio, portfolio performance because they want to make money they want to make money they're like hey this is the best way to make money yeah so so, so how the, in, in this case, how derivatives work is like, it gives you like a multiplier effect. Mm -hmm. So if you make money, you make big money. But if you lose yeah. money, you, you lose, lose big, big money. money. Why? Because you lev you use leverage. You borrow money to make these bets. Yeah. To buy derivatives, you leverage them. Yes. Three times, four times, five times. Mm -hmm. So you basically make money off the difference and the actual amount that you make, you give it back. Mm -hmm. So, but you make money on the difference. Yep. So because of that, around this time, they were highly leveraged. Mm-hmm. So and people were thinking that these are these are safe investments, right? Yeah. Because like the idea was that hey, these investments are going up, the value of land is going up, so the value of the investment on the investment will also go up. So it's a safe investment, right? Like yeah. why would you not? Exactly. It was right? a, it was a sure thing. It was it was a win-win. Yeah. If people continued to buy houses and people kept paying the monthly mortgage, then it was a win-win for everybody, yeah. right? People were getting their houses, we were getting extra rich, and now we'd be sitting on gold yeah now the mantra of this situation is no one knew the sheer amount of subprime mortgages that were present yeah no one knew how many people were just given people everyone their mothers were getting houses everyone Let's was be getting real. houses no one no one was ch doing credit checks nothing they were you want a house here you want a house here you know how oprah is like <laughs> buy your mom a house <laughs> you know like in oprah you get a house you get a house you get a house <laughs> everybody gets a house like that's what was happening so imf saw this so imf economics econ economists actually saw the red flags and they were like and okay, they sent they sent to warning calm like, your life yeah like calm down take it easy but even after that like so when imf sent that warning mm -hmm. a few people were smart and they moved away yeah they went into long-term investments they thought okay a recession can come because now this is a bubble it's a blowing bubble and it's yeah. going really fast because prices are skyrocketing sales are high but eventually it's going to turn right it's it's essentially the overheating concept exactly right so now at this point there is an there's an indicator to show that there, there will be a recession coming and this is in 2007 mm -hmm. this is before anything even this is 2005 2005 this, like, yeah. before anything even happened and they saw that the yield curve inverted. What does that mean? That the short-term rate was higher than the long-term rate. So let's 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 break that down a little bit. Okay. Okay. So let's let's sort of describe what what the yield curve is. So the yield curve is basically the bond returns over a period of time based yeah. on based on when the bond will return, right? So, so you have like a one-year, so your T-bills. Yeah. Then you have two-year, three-year, five-year, ten-year. You have like the three-month notes. Right. Yeah. T-bills. Yeah. Right. The, small, the smaller ones are like short term and then your longer terms are yeah. 2, 3, 4, 5, 10, 15, 25, 40, 100. Perpetual. Yeah. Perpetual. Annuities. Annuities. Yes. Okay. So the idea is that the sh usually, usually the way the yield curve works is the longer you hold your investment over a period of time, you will get a lot of, you will get your, your, like your investment yield will be a lot higher. Yeah. Right. So your, your rate of return is a lot higher. Right. So yeah. if you put in, let's say, let's say. 15 years ago, you put in $10,000, maybe from that point till 40 years from then, so an additional 20, 25 years from now, that will, that $10,000 will equal a million dollars, right? So that's your yield curve exponentially rising. So the idea is that now your short-term rate, 
which is let's say the year or two years is significantly higher yeah than your 10 15 years from now hmm. right and that is a that's a messed up sign yield curves don't invert yeah right the the concept of the yield curve is that it always stays exponential exponential yeah right and that's 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 like that's like a rule because most people invest short term yeah yeah so now a lot of people started investing in long term and this indicated the sentiment that a recession is coming. They think that right now their money is not safe mm -hmm. and they're going to invest long term. So like in long term bonds. Which also shows the concept of like consumer sentiment, saying that consumer sentiment or investor sentiment is fundamental to yes. the fabric of the it's economy. It's business confidence. Yeah. So like confidence and trust kind of right. goes hand in hand. So this is at the end of 2005. So now mm -hmm. we're done with 2005. You have seen what happened. Pri yeah. Prices are skyrocketing for houses. Subprime mortgages are going to everybody. Yep. People are buying up derivatives. All right. And now we move on to 2006. 2006. So now this is like late 2006. So this yeah. is happening all through 2006 as well. Now late 2006, September. This is when the housing prices first fell. And it fell for the first time in 11 years. So up until 11 years ago, prices were just going, going up, up and up, up. And right. now it was exponential. Obviously, obviously the, the rate of them going up increased. Increased. As you get to this overheating exactly. bubble. Yes. Right. So now it became a bubble. Okay. And this is the most it has dropped since the 1990 recession. So it dropped by 1.7%. Mm -hmm. 1990 was 2.1%. Yeah. So now in inventory was piling up. So you know how it works, right? Prices are too high. People stop buying. So inventory piles up. Yep. More supply and then... Yeah. So a fall. lot of people, so a lot of economists thought that it was just them. It was just the market cooling down. Mm -hmm. So they weren't too worried about it. It's like, you know, like it makes sense in a yeah. way. Like right now we sit here and talk and like judge them and stuff. But like hindsight 2020, you know, at the time when you think about it, in that moment. You're in like, that moment, it makes sense, right? Because you're just like, okay, hey, look, the prices are actually just way too high. Yeah. And people can't afford it. So, so it's like a correction. We're just going to chill out. It's going to drop by, you know what, a few percent. And then it'll go right back again. There you go. Right. So that's what they thought. But what we didn't know was how subprime mortgages are going to come and bite us. Yeah, because of the three, point per three points that it, the Fed rate went up by. Yeah. That's, we're going to talk about that. I'll show you. Now, let's fast forward another two months. So November 2006, new home permits dropped by 28%. What does that mean? That is a leading indicator to show that people are going to stop buying houses. New home permits basically mean that you are buying the house before it's even built. So pre-construction. Pre-construction. Basically, people were like, Pre-construction is too expensive. We can't afford the booking, so we're not going to buy. And there's already a lot of houses in the market that yeah. are dropping in prices, so we'll wait, we'll buy the house instead. Exactly. All right? So right now, demand is kind of going into a free fall. Not mm -hmm. there yet, but it's kind of dropping. So, most econo so, so at this point, the thought of the economist was, interest rates are going to drop soon. Yeah. We're in November, so by the summertime next year, summer 2007, it should drop, right? Mm -hmm. We should be okay. Mm -hmm. They did not know about the subprime mortgages in the market. So yep. basically, people who really couldn't afford the house in the first place. So like they thought that, okay, right now it's unaffordable, mm -hmm. but it'll be affordable soon enough. But there are yes. people who took, a, took on a house who couldn't afford a house. Basically. That's, that's and they it. didn't just take one house. They took multiple houses. Multiple houses. Right? To sell Their them in a couple of years. Interest rate goes up by yeah. 3%. 3%. You did the calculation. Yeah. It goes up from $1,100 to $4,000. Yeah. Right? These people probably are making minimum wage or just above minimum wage. Yeah. Who can't afford the $4,000 a month on two houses even. Exactly. Right? They're paying their own house off. Yeah. Now they're paying house number one and house number two. Yep. How so, do you afford that? Mm-hmm. Right? So at this point, like we said, the cancer is spreading through the system. So yes. banks don't see this. And see, and the thing, the, thing with, the thing with the subprime mortgage is also the idea that it's a gray market. Like mm -hmm. it's a gray economy. So it's not really seen like 
officially, but it's there. It's there, right? It's like it's like a cash-based lending system. Like you don't know, and you you can't just read an, a mortgage deed or, or like whatever it is, like a mortgage yeah. document, and say that oh, this guy's subprime, this right? guy is not. So like, you let's can't. Say, like let's say I have four hundred thousand dollars, and you and X person and Y person want a house for one hundred and fifty each. I'm not gonna sign a contract. I'll just be like, hey man, you need you need you need you need one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Sure. Yeah. Here's one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Give it to me back in ten years, but I'm going to charge you eight percent interest. There you plus, go. Plus, or I'll give you, you know what, prime plus five, you prime plus seven, you prime plus three. Not because but, you're a friend. But, but now, doesn't matter. The point is. But now prime is increasing. Prime is increasing. So all of these people have now have to pay me a lot more money. Yeah. Right. And now they can't pay me money, so they're going to default. So exactly. now their houses are mine, but I can't do anything with these houses. But the kicker is now we have what we talked about the MB the mortgage-backed securities, yeah. collateralized debt obligation, the derivatives. So that's where the cancer was spreading because yes. now these loans and mortgages were being repackaged as securities and being sold to other companies, other intermediaries in the system. And they, won't just, they weren't just sold as nice. Like they, they, weren't just sold, they weren't just sold for face value. So let's say that like, you know, a bunch of B lenders or B mortgages were packaged together and then given, yeah. right? They if were I'm, packaged I'm, into triple A's. Exactly. So if I'm, if I'm the one who's packaging, right, I'm going to take two top line triple A's I'm going to get three triple A's and then I'm going to get a bunch of B's and C's yeah. they're all going to sort of average out to A Yeah. right and he's going to be like hey it's A I'll buy it why uh, not of course. it's a bit more interest but hey it doesn't matter I'll probably get a better return on it so it's yeah. A so what you see is A but I know that I've given you B's and C's because yeah. I'm trying to just get rid I'm just trying to get rid of the dirt off, yeah off my books I, okay. exactly. you don't want that risk and out of the let's say out of the whole mortgage MBS 20% was actually good and the rest 80% is bad 80% defaults are you getting any money nope i'm not getting any money why should you get any money exactly so right? so now we we think back to 2003 when warren buffett said weapons of financial financial weapons of mass destruction yes. this is where we're starting to the see what's going tank. on so the final thing in the lead up that happened was in late 2007 home prices were falling mm -hmm. Bankers started losing trust in each other yep. because they were like, okay, what did you give me? You messed up. I, I gave you something bad, so you don't trust me anymore. And then who, who did you give this money to? Why are you giving it to them? They, yeah. they can't afford it. The rates are trip double, more than double. And you, no, this is not good. So now people are afraid to lend money exactly. to each other. Yeah. And because of, and because when, if I lend it to you, the most likely collateral I will be getting mm -hmm. is those mortgage-backed securities. Yep and their values are dropping. So all the securities that we've bought, all the, all the things we've lent out, mm -hmm. the collaterals, they're losing value, which mm -hmm. are the houses themselves. Yep. So now we're losing, and we're losing trust within the system. Banks would not loan to each other. The secondary market is drying up because exactly. no one wants to lend to no each other. To. And you're like, when I sold you this, you're gonna, you want your money back. You're like, hey, give me my principal back. Yeah. I can't give you my principal. I can't give you your principal. I don't have the money anymore. Exactly. I, sold, I gave it to someone else. My collateral is worth nothing. Yep. So I'm not going to get anything. Right. So, so all I'm left with is just, I'm left with land, but I'm left with worthless land. Yeah. So by the end of 2007, it had begun. It was done. Basically. Nobody wants begun. subprime mortgages. Nobody wanted subprime mortgages. No one wanted to lend money anymore because they were scared that they would get held. They would be, they would, they would, the other person would default and the collateral mm -hmm. would be that security. And basically they made, they make a loss. Exactly. And now nobody wants to buy any more houses. No like, one wants, no one wants subprimes in their books. No one, no one wants, no one wants to, no one wants to buy any more houses. Yeah. Housing prices are basically falling. Mm -hmm. And now everybody realizes that, Hey, these interest rates that were going up shouldn't have gone up. Now, yeah. weird question. Hmm. What if the fed didn't increase interest rate? Inflation. You, but people, 
Well, like you think capitalism would take care of itself and I think so. it would correct? What if, yeah, what if it was like that? What if it was like, you know, we don't need the government intervention. We can just like, it'll just take care of it itself on its own. That's a very good question. Like, what if that happened? Obviously, look, wealth inequality would have gone skyrocketed. Okay, mm-hmm. which is fair, you yeah. know? But maybe it would have been a wealth inequality where the wealthier would get wealthier, but the poor would also get wealthier. Mm. Right? Some of them. If they, if they sold at the right time. If they sold at the right time. But either way, they would have, the bubble would have popped either way. The bubble would have had to pop. Like right? it is inevitable for that bubble to pop. The prices, so what the Fed wanted to do was de- decrease the speed at which the prices were skyrocketing. But the idea... But they ended up doing the opposite completely. So what they could have done is maybe instead of raising the interest rates so high, they could have added price controls. Mm. You know, they could have limited the, the market value of those houses. Yeah. Which could have reduced the supply as well, if you think about it, right? Because then there would be people who'd be like, okay, fine, you know what? Let's say a house that had whose value used to be 200000 is now worth 400000 hmm. Government steps in and says, nope, it is worth 300000 and nothing more. Hmm. So now there are people who will buy it at 300000 and the people who are going to buy it at 400000 will sort of have to per- come They'll be happy with $300,000. Yeah. And whoever's selling it will be like, okay, fine. The, only, the max I'll get is $300,000. I can't really do anything else about it. Yeah. It could be a great market, but it would control a lot of the inflation or like the overheating that would happen. But like when you're living in a, in a, in a system of capitalism, that is completely everything against it. That is everything. You're going completely against it. Against it is it. very true. Right? So like, Minimal intervention means creating monetary policy. So that's the only way the Fed could intervene. Yeah. They just wanted to reduce the overheating. Mm-hmm. And the issue was, I feel like that, sim- that was not the issue. The issue was the subprime and the derivatives. Yeah. Had that not happened? Had everyone been and the careful bubble popped, at who they were lending to? Yeah. It would have been manageable. Exactly. Right? If they were saying that, hey, you know what? Subprime people... If you are lending, you need to either get significant down payment or you cannot lend. Yeah. But I don't think they did that. And I they think didn't. they were very no one, careless. People did not give have a down payment. They yeah. were doing introductory interest payments. And of course, they were like, you pay like your mortgage plus interest, basically. Right. Like if we look, if we look at it here, would like a 10, a 10 to 50% drop in price was completely taking off the equity. Yeah. And everybody was defaulting. Yeah. Because right, people are just losing their value in the house. Right, because yeah. you even when you pay your mortgage, right, you're still gaining your house value. Mm-hmm. If somebody was paying their mortgage twenty years ago, like starting twenty years ago, now let's say they've made, let's say they've paid fifty thousand dollars, their house value has gone up significantly. They've it's gone up more than fifty or seventy thousand mm-hmm. dollars, right? So they've made that equity back. That asset now belongs to them. That gain, yeah, right. So when they sell the house, they'll get that gain, minus the interest the cost, that they yeah. would have done, right? Mind you. Another important thing to remember is up until that moment, the housing market made up 10% of US GDP. Yeah. 10%. 10% is a lot. That's 100 billion. That's a lot. Give or take. Like, yeah. like how much is the US GDP? Is it in trillions? trillions? One trillion, isn't it? Maybe more. So, but like, yeah, give or take 100 billion dollars took, was, 100 billion was a part of, I mean, the U.S. government made USA made a hundred billion dollars of the housing Thirteen point one trillion dollars. Oh, in two thousand six. Math. That's a lot of math. So ten percent of that would have been one point one point four trillion. Yeah, yeah. One point four trillion dollars. So one point four trillion dollars. That is more than the GD- The housing market was 10% of GDP and the 10% of US GDP is more than a lot of the countries in the world. Yeah. That's how much money there was in the housing market. Mm -hmm. And that's why everyone was in it. 
So now we talk about the screw up. Yeah. So at around this time, early 2007 is when like everything, the peak had come. Yeah. We were at the peak and now yeah. it's about to go down. So yeah, again, a 10 to 15% drop in homeowner equity means def default. Yes. Basically. So that was the fear. So Fed were not, economists did not agree about how dangerous this was. Because again, they didn't know about the whole subprime situation. They didn't, I think even at that time, economists didn't understand the concept of derivatives and how yeah. dangerous mortgage-backed securities could have been. They were just like, hey, you know what? If it's it gone, it's gone. We're chilling. We'll sort I of, mean, we'll manage if, it, right? If you have like a package deal... And if some of them are subprime, not all of them are going to default. Maybe one or two. And then yeah. you have the double A to hold on. You'll be fine. Exactly. And then you have insurance. It's okay. You know? But you don't have insurance. No, AIG. Yeah, but... You don't. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. you'll see what happens. <laughs> and then, so they thought that homeowners could refinance. Mm -hmm. They could, you know, restructure their mortgage deal. They could move on to fixed income. They could move into fixed rate instead of having an adjustable rate. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of denial in the system. Yeah. Fed was also denying there were warnings that came out that the recession mm -hmm. is coming this year at the end of this year there's a recession coming yeah. it's happening and the stocks dropped too mm -hmm. and the Fed was like nah bro it's not happening yeah. like it's gonna like they were like nah we're gonna grow 3% I'm telling you telling it's you, gonna bro. be there it's, 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 gonna, it's there it's there it's yeah. happening <clears throat> Bush it's administration happening. but yeah <laughs> they were in complete denial and there's a reason to why they're in denial we're gonna talk about that too so a little fast forward um, hedge funds were the first to feel it. Mm -hmm. Why? Um, because they're unregulated by, the, they're not regulated by SEC because they're private. And they basically had the bulk of those subprime deals, yeah. the CDOs, because they're the ones who deal in very high risk mm -hmm. uh, derivatives and they're trying to hedge their game, everything. Like that's yeah. their game. Derivatives are their game. So their of course- Their idea is basically just bet on every, every, everybody else's money to get maximum exactly. value out of their investment. Hence why they would be knees deep in CDOs and MBS and the subprimes. All those types of things, you know, like right? options and futures and all that the, stuff. The toxic debt, especially. So that was like, this is around March of 2007 is when hedge funds started feeling it. And then yep. in April, they Fed was still in denial. They heard about this, they, they were still in denial. Why were they in denial? They were afraid of inflation because the already it they, was they just didn't want to accept right they didn't they didn't want to accept that the economy is going into recession because they were probably like hey we've been doing so well for the past 10 15 years like there's we no don't need to way. break the cycle there's no need to break the cycle let's just keep growing but yeah. we, if you look back in history the us economic cycle is has a range of about 10 years right yeah. so 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 like starting from the great depression like we're looking at 1920 21 right it went up it's it it sort it took it took a while to get back up to on, onto its feet, but you know, 1930s when the war came in, war is great for economy. Yeah, obviously, war is not great, but war is not great for the for people, economy, but like right? yeah, because there is a huge load of government spending. There's a huge because there's a lot of spending that's going on. There's a lot of factories running. There's a lot of industrialization that's happening. And like right? a lot of revolutions and right. Progress. So the idea yeah. is that like war is great. So there was so there was war that happened. Right, war boosted the U.S. economy. Then it sort of fell. Then it would go back up again. Then it would fall, and then it would go back up again. Wealth inequality was good. Wealth inequality was stable between the 1930s, 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And then you come to this point here, where these people are like, "Hey, well, we're we're growing. Let's continue to grow." But so there was, but there was also inequality now. And there was inequality, yeah. and there was, and it, and and it wasn't just as simple as we'll spend. It was more complex. There was a lot of nuances that, that the Fed missed. Mm -hmm. 
hmm. I guess. Well, well the firstly, not willing to accept. Firstly, they didn't know about the subprime situation. Yeah, and I mean, inflation is very important to think about because, like, you don't want already. So right now, economists and IMF are saying that everything in your system is going to be worthless. Mm-hmm. The Fed is like, okay, if we do anything about it, it will still be worthless because we're going to be hit with inflation. Yep, that's what it was. So you look. So they were very afraid. Very. Mm-hmm unwilling to do anything about it yep. apart from just they were basically doing media around saying that it's gonna be okay mm-hmm. it's gonna be okay it's a very donald it trump thing to do like okay. trust me guys it's gonna be okay we have never <laughs> been better before this is gonna be our best year uh, you know stuff like that anyways point so point. but at the same time they still they they did a few uh they asked the loaners to have some sort of agreements done mm-hmm. like they were trying to make sure no one forecloses mm-hmm. And Basically, they, they didn't want defaults happening. Yeah, so low income. So they had they they made this thing called Community Reinvestment Act mm-hmm. benefits. So for low income borrowers, mm-hmm. uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, which are government sponsored entities that deal with mortgages yep. in the secondary market. Yeah. So they're making sure that there's liquidity and everything is flowing. Yeah. So these guys were Increasing told government spending. Yeah, basically. So they were they tried to help the subprime mortgage holders mm-hmm. to keep their homes, but at this point, I mean they were being asked to reduce rates and do something about it a year now. It's been a year. June 2006 is when the interest went up. Yeah. It's been almost a year now. A lot of people are already under the water. Yeah. People are already thinking that people this People have already lost their shirt. Now they're, now they're getting ready to lose their pants. Yeah. So now they're trying to make sure they don't lose their pants and default. Yeah. They couldn't afford it. They couldn't. So by now, it was too late to do anything. Yeah. And by the end of April, it was sure that we are going to be hitting a recession very soon. And it... I mean, yeah, it looked... It looked like it's some indicators showed that it was good in the short term, but mm-hmm. that was only because we were already doing so well before. But in, if you look at year over year statistics and compare like a little more long term, mm-hmm. a recession was coming. So people were, not, were actually kind of confused what's going to happen. People could not agree. On one end, the Fed was like, don't worry about it. We're fine. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work. Yeah. But then everything else was saying that it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Right? It's coming. Like something is about to happen. Something is going to happen. A right? bubble is going to pop. Stocks were falling. Yeah. Right. Stocks said listen we're not we're not we're not doing it here hedge funds were worried they weren't getting their money back yeah all right and hedge funds are are people who usually buy a lot of stocks yeah okay um then you have people like uh like the banks were worried that they weren't getting their money back um people are on the street at this point yeah right um we're, we're losing we're losing what's it called uh, we're losing workers. Mm-hmm. People are coming out on the street now because a lot of people who probably have loans can't pay their loans. So they're like, okay, we're going to fire you. Now, these people who probably have those houses are now on the street because they can't pay for their house. Like they can't, they don't have any income to pay for any houses that they're coming, yeah. that, they, that they've bought. Money is so, drying up, yeah. basically. No one has, can, people are losing cash. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, so we go on, they, they revised housing prices. They thought that not, it's going to be lower, but it's still going to be okay. And then finally in August 2007, over a year later, now since June 2006, when they increased, they mm-hmm. finally dropped the interest rate twice. To 4.25. For, from 5.25 to 4.25. A whole point down. That's a huge. That's huge. That's By, huge. I think between August and December, they dropped to 1%. Yeah. So why did they do this? They wanted banks to start loaning to each other again. Mm-hmm. Because the main fear was that banks are not loaning to each other, so there's no liquidity in the system. People mm-hmm. are not circulating. Spending. They're yeah. not spending. No, they're not no. circulating the money. Yeah. Why? Because they're afraid that the collateral would be something that would lose value instantly, mm-hmm. which is the mortgage-backed securities, the subprime yep. mortgages. Yep. So it didn't happen. Even though they reduced it, it didn't really happen. Didn't happen. 
and by then all the signs showed that a recession is coming. Yeah. Um, so October 2007, the Fed governor warned that the crisis is not over. Why is not over? That although you've reduced the interest rates, we still do not know how to properly value the derivatives mm -hmm. because it's still pretty new. Right now, how it was, it was a seller's market. I'm going to quote a price and you're going to buy that price regardless because you have no idea how to value it. Yep. And neither do I. So I'm just going to give you a price. Fair. That's what was happening. So now there's no trust because now, like, for example, like you you're going to give me, you're going to quote me a higher price. Like if I have to buy it, you're going to quote me a higher price to make sure that you cover your yeah. end. Right. And on top of it, and then you take the security and then you realize the value is dropping. So you're basically going to lose money. Mm -hmm. So now you don't trust me. You're like, why should I trust you? Quoted me a price that was so high and look at the value of this thing now. Exactly. All right. So now that was what was happening. There was a little bit of panic mm -hmm. coming mm -hmm. in. So now home sales and prices were in free mm -hmm. fall. They hit record lows. Inventory was rising. Mm -hmm. It was it was coming. And now and now the government is like, OK, you know what? We see everybody's losing their shirt. Let's collab. Yeah, let's we'll do to the banks and says, "Hey, you know what? Let's collab. Let's put some. Let's pump some money in. Let's buy some of these subprimes. Yeah, and then we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So right, they basically what the Fed wanted to do was step one was trying to figure out how to value these derivatives. Mm -hmm. So they they created a seventy five million million or billion billion dollar super fund mm -hmm. where they would buy these dis, uh, buy out the distressed portfolios with subprimes mm -hmm. to create liquidity so get the yep. money start coming in again. Yep. Why would they want to do it? They want to. They wanted to basically stall to figure out the situation, and yes. then they could do something more about mm -hmm. it. And then in December, at the end of 2007, they created a term auction facility. Basically, at this point, the, I mean, only the Fed was willing to loan, right? So mm -hmm. what they said, they had this auction where you're going to auction out interest rates, like the rate, mm -hmm. basically, at which you're going to get a loan from the Fed. Yep. So you'd auction. Okay, I'll I'll give you two percent. I'll give you two two uh, two point one percent. I'll give you three percent, and mm -hmm. then okay, sold. You'll give me three percent in ten years. Mm -hmm. Here's the money. You can go figure out your situation. And because yep. if banks are not loaning to each other, then the Fed, Fed has, has to, to loan. step in. Right? Exactly. But what we didn't know is everybody said, you know what, buy. Yeah. Everyone foreclosed. Everyone said For let's just default. Um, stock market said goodbye. Yeah. Housing market said goodbye. Everybody said bye. So too little, too late. Basically. Right. So I feel like at this point, because they did not know the situation, the subprimes. Yeah. They were not able to react accordingly. Mm -hmm. I feel like they were focusing on the liquidity in the bank side rather than actually looking at what people are, who is affected by who it. Who is affected by it. Right. And I think that brings us to the end of this episode, which might actually be a two part series. A two or three part series. Yeah. Uh, yeah we, I think we should break it down. I think we should. I think I think a two part would be a good, good yeah. setup. Yeah. So yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed. See you guys in the next episode. Yeah. Take care.